Hello. Today's episode is with Ben D'Alessio and Joe Garza, both co-hosts of the Reckless Muse cast, which is a podcast available on YouTube and Spotify, as well as the Reckless Muse Medium site, which includes articles and pieces about different artists and musicians pursuing their own ideas, recklessly with abandon, pursuing free speech, and their own individualism as artists. We get into a conversation about what it means to be a reckless artist in today's world, how that fits into modern politics and modern society, and where the future of art is going in our hyper-politicized world. But before we get to that, please remember to like, leave a comment, and subscribe to my channel. And if you'd like to consider supporting my content generally, please visit my Patreon page, where you can sign up for just $3 a month to submit topics or questions for me to discuss on this show. And as an artist and podcaster, I work on a value-for-value model, which I got from listening to the No Agenda podcast with Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak. And the basic idea of value-for-value is that if my content provides value to you, I ask that you respond in kind by providing value back to me. The easiest way to do that is probably monetarily through money, a donation on Patreon or a donation through my Venmo or something like that. But there are other things that provide value as well. For instance, submitting logos for episodes, submitting music for episodes, submitting ideas, like if you sign up for the uh, $3 a month Patreon, submitting topics or questions to talk about. All of these things are ways of providing value that we can exchange back and forth with each other. Welcome to Music in Mind, Music in Mind, with Anthony Coffey. All right, well, welcome to the Music in Mind podcast. I am here with the co-hosts of the Reckless Muse cast, Ben D'Alessio and Joe Garza. Their podcast is available on YouTube, and is it available on other platforms? Or is it Spotify? Yeah, Spotify. Yeah. Ah, Spotify. Spotify's the cool. big one, yeah. yeah. Nice. And then also, um, they have a Medium site, also entitled Reckless Muse, with articles and uh, different pieces uh, rantings, angry rantings, angry rantings. So yeah, how's it going, guys? Good, man. Very good. Very good. Nice. I like. I like that you brought the guitar. You're ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought this was just like, like a three hour long jam session. I thought we. Yeah. Were... <laughs> right. <laughs> nice. No, I was keeping it in the background, but every once in a while, I'll answer with with a little solo or something. So. Yeah. But um, yeah, so um, the my bandmate or duo mate and I were were just on the Reckless Musecast a couple weeks ago when I came out to visit Los Angeles, and Ben also came out to visit Los Angeles. Yeah, and we had a, a rousing conversation about Brother Nate. Where is he? <laughs> <laughs> where is he? <laughs> yeah, no one, no one, no one actually ever knows. He's where he is. tending to his chickens in Long Beach. I mean, yes, I bet he is. <laughs> well, actually, he was here. He left this morning. So oh. Really? oh he was in Austin? Yeah, in Austin. yeah, we played some shit. Oh, that's cool. Oh, very nice. cool. Nice. Yeah, yeah. But the the Reckless Muse project, it, it's a pretty interesting project. And Joe, you were you were telling me a little bit about it last time. But um, no. so what what is the idea behind Reckless Muse? Sure. So the Reckless Muse started off as a publication on Medium. I started probably about a year and a half ago, okay. and it was it was intended to kind of like um, just because Medium tends to be very. Uh, hyper progressive um, with a lot of uh, the content that it puts out, and, and it's funny because like I'm not even 
like a very political person. Like I, I feel like in a sane world, I'd be a pretty liberal person, but because you know, politics has just become so crazy nowadays, I'm just kind of, I found myself like a lot of people being very politically homeless. Um, right. So I'm just sort of like, all right, like, you know, uh, at the end of the day, I don't really care what a person's uh, political views are. I just care about, you know, uh, freedom of speech and freedom of expression. Yep. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I started the the publication out of this need of like, look, we just need to encourage artists and creators to go out and take risks and push boundaries and experiment and don't yes. worry about offending yes, people. Yes. Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, I, I just kept seeing so many celebrities apologizing for dumb things. And it's like, oh, come on, guys. Like. Like, let's stop trying, let's stop being upset over comedians and musicians because they said something <laughs> offensive 12 years ago. Like, you know, like, and, and, and for me, you know, a, a big thing that I've been thinking about in the last few years is just that we as a society need to do a better job of giving artists and creators more freedom to fail and go a little yes. too far. Uh-huh, right. Um, and so, so, you know, I was kind of writing these these very snarky sort of subversive articles on Medium um, and, and, you know, they, they started getting some, some decent amount of traction because they stuck out. Medium's right. very left, very far left-leaning, so they started just, st- you know, standing out. Uh, and then Ben reached out to me, uh, and he submitted some, some great stories, and he was like, hey, you want to start a podcast? So we started chatting, and we had a lot of similar ideas about, um, Love at know, first sight, you know, the, the yeah. standard <laughs> 90s romantic comedy. Do you want to start a podcast with me, Joe? Because I'd love to start one with you. <laughs> I thought you weren't a musician, Ben. Hey. Oh, <laughs> you ruined it. I'm, I'm, You're going to sing. I'm a front man or nothing. Like I don't, that's I don't great. have the skill for it, but I have the energy for it. You it, look it, like it, a front man. Yeah, I'm a front man. That's it. Front man or bust. Or uh, a wild card drummer. That's what I would be. You're, You're a drummer who doesn't drummer. show up. Exactly. Where the fuck yeah. is he? We have a black, game. Yeah, just blacked out. All right, let's go. One, two, three. <laughs> You're in the wrong band. <laughs> oh, man. Put your pants back on. <laughs> So did you meet through Twitter or through Medium? Uh, it was through Twitter? Medium, Ben. No. Uh, well, was a it? little of both. Because I think I think Ben, the first Twitter. time I met you, you you submitted an article to the Reckless Muse publication. Oh, did um, I? Yeah, yeah. And then and then we started following each other on Twitter, and then and then you okay. reached out to me on Twitter, and you're like, hey, you know, we've been starting a podcast. There you go. I guess yeah. that's what happened. Well, you're both very entertaining on Twitter. It, <laughs> I love scrolling. It's like, oh, that's great. That's our, just stuff that's snarky and bitchy. It's great. I I yeah, I, I've, I've really uh, taken on the role of a shit poster for the past right. couple of years, and it's, it's really become a nice uh, kind of ecosystem for me. Just throw, just throw shit out there. I have gotten in Twitter jail. I've gone in Twitter jail. Yeah, I saw that. What happened? Tw- actually... Out of all the shit, I've only got gone in, into Twitter jail twice, both times when I was in L.A., <laughs> coincidentally. I, I, don't, I, I don't know why. I, I didn't think anything. So do you, you want to know why I went to Twitter jail? The first, I actually I don't really remember the second time. The first time was, uh, all right. So it was, uh, it, was, uh, it was like a guy oh, I follow. So it wasn't like an, an actual attack, but they were they were being satirical about like, how many jabs to uh, stop the spread or how right. many doses yeah, yeah. to stop the spread. And they kept going. And I said, obviously, jokingly, kill yourself to stop the spread, which, <laughs> in my defense, <laughs> That's pretty is, funny, is scientifically 
Uh, accurate. Yeah. If you kill, if everyone killed themselves, the spread would stop. The virus right. needs hosts. Well, uh, right. except for the, the dogs and dolphins. Right. Oh, yes, of yeah. course. But <laughs> only for for humans. The more people that killed themselves, the less the spread. That is scientifically accurate. Now, according to Twitter's rules, you should not tell someone to kill themselves. I get it. Fine. One. I'm going to clip drinking. this and put this on Twitter. That's fine. <laughs> well, now, now I put it in quotes and I like star out some of the letters and stuff. But uh, the first, first I was drinking, so it shouldn't count. Second, I, it shouldn't uh, count. <laughs> yeah, it's scientifically accurate. In terms of and service, third, it's satire. I wasn't actually telling someone to kill themselves. I was right, going right. on with the chain, but yeah, that's that's the first time I went to Twitter jail. I don't remember. I, I'm not even joking. I really don't remember the second thing I said. It was like the next day. And I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, Joe, do you remember? I, I don't know. I had Joe. I'm like, Joe, can you tweet everyone? Tell them that I'm yeah, in jail I remember again. That. Yeah, I remember. It was twice. I don't remember what twice. the second time was. But I remember yeah. it was We were. It was a Saturday night. And we were mm. on Sunset Boulevard. We were at a cool bar. And you, 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 were, pretty, you were pretty drunk. It wasn't, just, it wasn't so much that you were drunk, but you were, you, you were, sleep, you were sleeping. You were sleeping because it was like eleven o'clock, so it was like two a.m. Your, your a sleeper time. boy. Yeah, and then and then and then you're just like, dude, I'm in Twitter jail again. Can you tell, can you tell everyone? <laughs> I remember seeing that, that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember what caused it because it gets deleted, so I can't even like go back and check because they delete yeah. it. Or no, they're like. If you want to get out of Twitter jail, I was not using that term. You have to delete this. I'm like, well, fucking fine. Like, I'm gonna obviously do it because I like. I hate Twitter, but I, I love it. <laughs> it's a terrible, terrible place. But I mean, it is. But that's it's great. Fine. That's great. It's it's kind of the reckless muse thing. Like, it's where degenerates hang out, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like a dirty old club. We're the bad, we're the bad boys of Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> So where does music fit in to to Reckless Muse? Does Reckless Muse focus? It kind of encompasses a lot of different art spaces. It's not just music, right? Pretty much. So we use the term art pretty loosely. Um, right. So so usually when when Ben and I are talking about art, uh, we usually just mean like anything creative. So it doesn't just mean fine art or sculpture or painting, but it, it encompasses those as well. But it can also be you know performance art. It could be you know mm. uh, stand up comedy, filmmaking, writing. Um, yeah, but pretty much any domain that's creative, um, yeah. because I, th- I think all of these things, unfortunately, have become very infected by by politics. Yeah. Um, and, and and part of the reason why I started, you know, the, the Reckless Muse cast, uh, or rather just the Reckless Muse in general, was sort of like, you know, arts and entertainment and pop culture. They should be like this sort of refuge from politics. But now, like whenever you tune in to when you're following your favorite celebrity or your favorite mm-hmm. artist, they always have some. They always have to chime in on what's going on politically, and it's just like, come on, like, like that's fine. We, we bicker and we fight over dumb shit, and yeah. Yeah, every four years. Um, but like, can we just watch a movie together and have a good time? Can we just listen to a song without worrying about like, oh, this is pushing a conservative agenda or a liberal agenda, or just like, right? It, it, it's it's really unfortunate that you know something that has, in particular, music because you know. Uh, you know, like you, you, so many songs have great choruses or they have great rhythms where we could all sing together and dance together. Um, you know, it, it can be a great source of, you know, community and, and bridge building. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's just sort of, it's, you know, we're, we're seeing music as well, uh, kind of becoming a source of, uh, division now. Oh yeah. yeah. Did you hear the, the Megan, the stallion, uh, vaccine song? <laughs> 
Yeah, it was like an ensemble, right? I've not yeah, heard it. Yeah, it was Jimmy Fallon I'm, and Ariana Grande. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Jeez. Oh, I'm not gonna consciously submit myself to that, but uh, <laughs> I could only imagine. I heard it today, and I was like, "Wow, this that's is br- that's brutal." I was actually gonna jokingly say it, it, after that, I was gonna crazy. say like, "Brought to you by Pfizer," and then it's like, actually, they do make fucking. It's like who are you with that shit? It's like the people who are listening to that are already on your side. Like no one's gonna hear that and go like, "Fuck, all right, get vaccinated now." <laughs> it's me, Jimmy Fallon. Like you're just fucking pandering to your base, which is fine. Everyone does it, but you know, I mean, when everybody I who listens I'm to Jimmy to my Fallon base, has probably had like yes, six exactly, many times. By now. They probably get turned away. It's like, sir, you can't get vaccinated again. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have time. enough. You're we just out. wearing a big mustache this time. We know it's you. <laughs> Please, for your own sake, let someone else get the vaccine. Um, your blood is so thin from all the all, 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 all the memory T cells. You can't take any more. <laughs> yeah. So so other than Megan the Stallion, who are some some musicians who you you're aware of doing work in in line with the Reckless Muse idea? Oh, it's a good question. Um, there's this uh, quirky little uh, uh, duo. Uh, they're kind of based out of like Long Beach and Austin. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, with somebody else. R- that would r- be amazing r- if there's another one. <laughs> and there's also some singer chick. Oh no way! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's been on a couple times. Yeah, yeah. No, but seriously, I mean, uh, you know, like for example, uh, j- just yesterday, Ben and I, and not music related specifically, but I'll, I'll get back to music. But, but uh-huh. we had um, Vito Gisvaldi. Um, he's the guy who who got some infamy recently for going to the Netflix, you know, Dave Chappelle walkout thing. Yeah. And he yeah. got in trouble, be- or he got a lot of shit because he was carrying a sign that said, "We like jokes. We like Dave." Oh, you talked yeah. to that guy? Yeah, we talked yeah, to him. He was on our show yesterday. Was- yeah, yeah, it was great. And and yeah. but it was just sort of like this basic thing of like, just saying we like jokes is kind of like a controversial <laughs> thing nowadays. Um, like so I, I feel like you know, we like Dave Chappelle. Like, he's that's funny. <laughs> like, that's a revolutionary. Like, you pass <laughs> but anyway, getting back to your question about about musicians, I, f- I just feel like anybody who's out who's just like, look, I'm just trying to make music. I'm not going to comment yeah. on what's going on culturally. Yeah. I just I just want to make people dance. I want to make people bother uh-huh. bother their heads. Um, for for whatever reason, that's considered like a radical thing these days. Yeah. Um. So so any artist who's out there who just wants to create because it's, you know their muse is telling them to, uh, good on you. And and you know I think. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think history will look kindly upon you for doing yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know any, like, so so much music, not, not all of it has to, and it'd be kind of annoying if it was, but, like, the best music, in my opinion, the best music in human history came out of the 60s and 70s in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and the U.K., and a lot of that was political music. It was anti-Vietnam stuff and mm-hmm. or, or whatever it was. This was a tumultuous time in, in these countries. Um, but now, like... The establishment agrees with all of the yep. social, progressive, liberal ideas. And then when there is conservative music, which is also like not like can also be pandering and usually it's like country, which I don't really like. Or sometimes there's, you know, there's like the let's go Brandon rap song or something, which like I get yeah. some people like uh, it's funny, but I'm you know, I'm not going to listen to that. Yeah. But, uh, you know. Because the you know the 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 people who are going to sign 
musicians a lot of times are part of the establishment too right unless you could tell me maybe there's been more breakaway there but uh you know you can't go and make any sort of and it's not like liberal conservative it's it's counterculture versus establishment right exactly. right now yeah the establishment is just agrees with everything that used to be um controversial so now the controversial stuff would be considered even though it's totally not would be considered like conservative republican right wings of which it's just fucking not it's just not orthodox it's just not like progressive orthodox yeah um and i can't think of any music that's like overtly heterodox or something like i don't know can i don't know if you guys can um but the, to me, it's just the, and I think it is a shame because I, I do think that's some of the best music and like actors and everyone else, musicians, they, they're not just their music anymore. Everyone's online, everyone's on Twitter and on Facebook or whatever it is. So you can't just like make a song and then people have to like dissect it and feel like what are reviews, unless you're like a real activist type. Now it's, you're expected to tweet about something if you have a blue check mark. And if you're not yep. lining up with the orthodoxy with the establishment, then you're gonna get run out of town. Now I hope more of that's changing. I think it is in some areas, especially Obviously, podcasting is itself outside of that, which thank God. But so much of, um, you know, still pop culture is uh, L.A. and New York, yep. and you have mm-hmm. to fall in line, or else you're going to get blackballed. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think corporate music in general is is sort of the the worst of the worst with respect to this, just sort of parroting whatever the the mainstream yeah. narrative is which sort of makes sense because of what the music is and i think there's an ideology that's kind of infected everything yeah which is that the personal is political and the fact that every conversation you have with everybody now is a political conversation yeah shows us like the sickness in our society that we just we cannot escape it and i i was listening with with brother nate the bass player in in my duo we were listening to some funk music when we were driving around Austin. You know that song, We Got the Funk? Yeah. Gotta have that. And like bands like that would just do three-hour sets of yeah. just trying to make everybody groove as hard as they possibly could. And that is it. That is yeah. what their job mm-hmm. was, was to just make the most slamming, like, best music they possibly could. Right. And that was right. their focus. They were zoned in on that. And I think that now... There are kind of heterodox artists. There's like Tom McDonald and Eric July has his band uh, backwards and stuff. Um, But it's so overtly political that it kind of weakens it. Mm. Like we're making libertarian music in a way sucks. Yeah. 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 That's the thing. I I think it's, it's especially nowadays, it's very difficult to be political with your art without coming off as, as like propagandistic Right. Um, and, and, and I'm not against the idea of politics being expressed through through music or, yeah. or, or any other creative medium. But I think um, uh, when it's served up in this very simplistic red meat form, uh-huh. I think that's when it's kind of starts stops being art and starts starts turning more into theme music for your political side. Right. I think, you know, it, it, it's it's one thing if, if, if your song has lyrics that that question 
mm-hmm. um, you know, the establishment um, or, 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 you know, it takes a more gray area view on, on certain issues or something like that. I think that's cool. I think because, you know, you know real life is messy and it's awkward and it's weird. Um, but when you take like this very simplistic, you know, uh, like a fuck Trump or fuck Nancy, fuck Nancy Pelosi or whatever, then it's just kind of like, okay, you've, you've, you've kind of, <laughs> this is dumb now. You're, you're, you're not being interesting or, yep. or you're, you're, you're not diving below the surface of what it means to be a person. Um, and now, now you're, you're, you're just, you're just creating a, a slogan for your side. Well, I feel like you're weakening what music can be. Because music yes. has the ability to express the, um, uh, how did Leonard Bernstein put it? It's a little bit lofty and woo-woo, but yeah. express the unsayable. And yes. so get at those those weird emotions that you, you feel it and you go, yes, and you can't quite put your finger on it. And yes. those kind of deep uh, gray areas that exist in, in contradiction to each other. Like yes. music and contradiction exist, have a, have a very strong relationship. Right. And so right. I think that if you write a song that just says "fuck Trump," you're cheapening what music yes. can do. Versus right. like a song like Tom Sawyer, Rush. Yeah. Obviously, or he, as I understand it, he's writing about sort of Ayn Randian ideas mm. of individualism and objectivism. But he's right. doing it. He he's bringing in literature. He's he's using music in this sort of interesting prog rock kind of way. And so you can listen to it with all these different layers. You can delve into the meaning of the words. You can really get into the theory of their rhythms, or you can just listen to it and be like, this is a slamming song. Yeah, exactly. And and, and, that's what that song's about. (laughs) Yeah, his mind is not meant to any God or government. It's like, (laughs) really? It's subversive. Yeah. I remember that song from Rock Band, the video game. Yeah, right. It's on Rock Band, too. (laughs) But I mean, if anything, that's kind of a testament to to how great that song is. And and I love Rush. I, I actually got to see them live. Uh, uh, probably when I was like 15 or 16, it, it, it was an awesome show. But uh, um, but I mean, you know, the, the, you bring up a good point. Is that like you know, great music and I think great art in general um, has multiple layers. And I think you know, with, with a song like Tom Sawyer, uh, somebody who just likes you know some pretty good mainstream rock, they can listen to it and be like, yeah, oh, this yeah. is a cool song. Yep. But for some reason, but but for people who love uh, great drum work, they can listen to it and appreciate yep. it. People who love guitar song, uh, uh, guitar riffs or yep. great melodies, they can, they, you know, they can they can appreciate it. And people who are more uh, who are a little more politically oriented, they can listen to it and still get appreciation out of it. So, so when you have a, a, a work that that kind of you know um, is it demonstrates a mastery of form on multiple layers, I think that that's a true sign of genius of like actual genuine creativity. Right. Um, and, and, you, and, and you're absolutely right. When your song is, is as simplistic as "fuck the Democrats" or "fuck Trump," it's just sort of like, okay, you're putting the message out first, and you don't care about the rhythm or the melody or the chorus or the song yep. or the form or anything like that. You, it's, it's just about the message. Yeah. And it's like, well, just it's like just create a, a, a billboard saying that. It reminds, it reminds me of that. like those. It reminds me of like the mid 2000s country songs where it was like we're gonna go uh, over there we're gonna kick their ass yeah, yeah. <laughs> so bad <laughs> okay, yeah. like american flag truck beer bottle yeah yeah what was that yeah, guy i name? mean well, Toby it's Keith. funny that yeah Toby no. Keith. yeah yeah well, you know the, the right is, is just as guilty as this as well like there's that singer lady um joy via and she has that song make america great again it was like it came out like in 2016 or something like that but it was it, like when you hear it you're like okay it's like a dumb generic pop yeah. r&b song but it you know and but she, she went to the grammys and she was wearing a make america great again uh, dress wow and it's like oh come on like that's so like dumb that's so overt yeah. like you don't like, 
Yeah. You're, you're, you're supposed to child for, for, for Trump. You're not, you're not, you're not doing anything interesting. Yeah. Why are you doing somebody else's network or somebody else's advertising? It's, yeah, it's, exactly. It's, I mean, it, well, at the same time, it, it's all because it's a business and there is that, I think especially with the conservatives, it's like, they're so deprived of pop culture because everything that's not just apolitical, which less and less things are apolitical now, is liberal. So, like, any sort of pop culture that does go their way, they just, like, suck it up like a sponge because right. it's like, oh, my God, they're, like, saying what we like. And whether it's, you know, a rock musician, because like, you can name them. It's like everyone knows the conservative actors and musicians because there's so few that are out now. Right. People will say, actually, there's a lot more than you think. Right. They're just not open about it. But the ones that are, like, everyone's like, um, you know, Ted Nugent and I have lots of country singers, uh, uh, Bruce Willis, yep. you know, a handful that are kind of openly Republican. Kid Rock. Kid Rock, yeah. <laughs> is he even right wing or is he just like I, I know, I know he very patriotic? Trump. I know oh, he, he did. Trump. But yeah. I thought he, he has likes like flags. Old... That's for sure. He, he does like flags. <laughs> I like flags. I, I have a flag, but I'm, I'm not right wing. Um, uh, but I thought I also thought he did like Obama's inauguration or something. No? Probably. I don't, I don't know. know. That's why I just thought he was a very like pro America, like neutrally well, pro America. I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> Yeah. Who knows? I heard I, mean, like, I, I, I don't really look to him for my cues on politics, so he's not really. Like, no, I want uh, I want to run for president. I hope you're. I president. think he I'm did. Maybe I'm wrong <laughs> about that. I actually, I it's just like a little thing in my mind that's like, wait, did he? I thought he. I did. could see him running. Right a few did. A, a, a few positions have. Donald yeah. Trump was our president. I don't anyone. Yeah. Could run for president. Like nothing would surprise me. Donald I think uh, what's his name? President was it Joe Walsh? Um, oh. Right, president back in 1980, I think. He's relatively conservative too, right? Yeah, but I think back in the day, I, I, I think he just ran, ran as like an independent or on a third party mm -hmm. thing yeah. or something. And he wanted his campaign song to be "Life's Been Good to Me." Uh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, he's like, that's gonna be my uh -huh. campaign song. <laughs> that's such a goofy song. I, I love that song. That's cool. Yeah, he, like uh, he lives in Idaho, I think, and he uh, he does ham radio, so you can you oh, can really? find him on the yeah. radio and just like chit chat with him. Oh, that's cool. He's, yeah. he's such a goofball, but uh, um, yeah, man, politics. So where do, where does where does punk fit into this? Because I feel like punk kind of falls into the trap of that fuck Nancy Pelosi, fuck Trump, yeah. message first, music last. Yeah. But at the same time, there's this whole idea. Punk kind of is an ideology of yeah. Punk was great, man. Real punk, like in the, in the 70s. Punk, yeah, punk was great. And it was like, to me, punk was legit because it wasn't sided. Uh, it was anti establishment, in your oh, face, yeah. playing fast, uh, kind of like shock, like shock value. Um, and that like ripped clothes, cut like literally hurting yourself, cutting yourself, stuff like that. Like that was fun. Actually, like, stood for something. It was like an angry rebellion against the um, you know yuppie class or whatever. Like I feel like it was a lot oh, yeah. more classes, especially in. I mean, in the UK there was a kind of race element to it somewhat, which isn't great, but not all of them. Um, <laughs> but, but I love that like, the Sex Pistols used to wear swastikas. Yeah. Oh my God. But that, but that, see. But then they toured a, with reggae way, bands to, from Jamaica. To, to yeah. defend it, it was, they didn't like, 
and this is tough. I'm not defending that because I don't think you should wear swastikas unless you actually believe um, in in Nazism. But like, it was so just anti. It was to just piss off your parents, piss off the establishment to the point where yeah, they would wear swastikas because the Nazis bombed London, like bombed the UK, and it. I, I wouldn't have done that. I don't really like it, but right. it stood for something, even if right. that something was like nihilism. But isn't right. that something like, fuck you, mom? Like, fuck you, mom. I don't have to yeah. learn how to play classical guitar. I can just go, bah! Yeah. 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 It's well, not always the think, best. I love I, it, though. I do. I, I, love, do. I, and love, I love pop punk. I do like pop punk a lot, um, but I like classic, classic punk, like yeah. original I punk. Love it. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I. I think the reason why so much early punk was was so effective back then is because there was so much more to rebel against. Um, right. Nowadays, like you know, the standard of living is much higher than it was you know yeah. 40, 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, life's a lot easier, um, and it, it is sort of like you know, what is there to rebel? I, I, I don't say there's nothing to rebel against. But it, it is sort of a weird thing where it's like, well, what are we rebelling against? Like, what, what's the oppressive force? I mean, look I at the perfect example is Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, like, yeah, in the yeah. 90s, they, like, when conservatism very much controlled the culture, even if the Democrats were more in power, it was a lot more moderate, even conservative oh, yeah. Democrats, yeah. where, like, yeah. you know, people forget that, like, Obama didn't even run on gay marriage. I was yeah. pro-gay. I was a huge John McCain like I voted for John McCain in high school. I was a big Republican, and then I went hard to the left, and now I'm fucking nowhere. I'm all over the place. But yeah, like no. I ran, I was pro gay marriage before Barack Obama was, who's considered <laughs> the most liberal candidate of all time. Well, not right. kind of like socialist, maybe, but like the most liberal Democrat of all time. So like, yeah. just the culture was so much more uh, culturally conservative. Yeah. Where now, like I, I keep bringing up the gay marriage issue, but like. I think like 75% of Republicans are like, yeah, gay marriage is fine. Like we don't care. Like a lot of us are gay. Like we were always were. We just don't want to say, but but like rage against the machine actually like rebelled against stuff. And now they're like, you have Tom Morello, like tweeting for the corporations. She's like, what the fuck happened to you guys? Like like, the very machine that they were raging. Exactly. Yes. They, they were, it was like comply with the machine. And that's like, they 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 were were my favorite to begin with. I feel like that's what it is. I, I see. So. I didn't. I thought they stood for something, and I and I did like that. I like that music, even in the two thousands. Like System of a Down was very like, anti war. I learned every System of a Down album all the way yeah. through when I was in high school. All like, we yeah. all we listened to band. in the weight room, in like two thousand and five to two thousand seven, was System of a Down. Like it was all that was played. Oh, like good. Toxicity, <laughs> uh, Violent Pornography, uh, yeah. all those like uh, bombs over no not bombs over BYOB like all, like those songs such a good like, riff yeah those songs are just <laughs> like stuck it. in my high school memory and now those uh, I listen to I I tried to listen to um is it Serge right is he a lead singer Serge yep. on a on a uh, an interview with a Michael Marin podcast who I don't really listen to anymore and it's just like so typical fucking neo-lib establishment bullshit I'm like what happened to you guys yeah. like you guys were like, they've been, they've the been sold on corporatism like it's i remember so crazy to me rage against the machine was fighting against nafta so they were fighting against yes. bill clinton specifically yes which i which yeah. was good like that that's right. good and then when yeah. trump 
tries to pull us out of the what was the TPP and was <laughs> trying to pull us out of NAFTA. They were like, no, we can't do that. Uh, Rage Against the Machine flipping did? out. Everybody, the entire yeah, everybody. like yeah. left wing movement was flipping out that corporations won't be able to build factories in southern Mexico, yeah. which I thought was the problem in the first yeah. place. Right. Well, well, I mean, if we're going to just get into politics instead of like music <laughs> and politics. Oh, no. no, it's fine. I'm just saying it's like, yeah, the, the, the left is completely, except for like legit socialists um, and like kind of Bernie bros, which I very much was one, and right, even some right. of them aren't anymore. But like the vast majority, they're just completely jettisoned the working class. Like does not give a shit about the working class at all they they sold out for the suburban class the yeah. ca- the the counseling class um elitist bastards yeah no it's true i mean their bread and butter now are slowly losing but still uh urban uh, like urban whites suburban whites and some and and minorities but even that they're losing more and more mm-hmm. um but really like the suburban not not counselor class what's the word i'm looking for consulting class yeah. Like that that white collar, college educated, yep. even masters, yep. grad student educated class, and they've completely abandoned the working class. Yep. Shreds and gnar. <laughs> Is that your thought on that? That's amazing. I'm, I'm shredding an agreement. <laughs> yes, I agree. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> no, when, when I disagree, I'll just do a big dive bomb. Nice. Like it's like, nope, I don't agree. But then when I when I hear like, we have an I'm excited about that. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I know it's it's a funny thing because, and, and again, not not specifically related to music, but but kind of tangential to it. Um, you know, I've, I've written several articles on the Reckless Muse, uh-huh. kind of crit, uh, criticizing um, how political a, a lot of art, and specifically comedy, has gotten. Yes, and 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 people will say, and, and, and in fact, I think you and I have actually chatted a little bit about this on Twitter, um, and, and and so some people will be like, yeah, well, you know, look at comedians of the '60s and '70s that they were political, and to be fair, I did, I was I would sometimes be more broad in my critique of politics and comedy um, than I should have been, um, because they're right, yeah, like comedians of the '60s and '70s were political, yeah. but I think that they had a better reason to be pol- to be political. They were fighting against um, threats to freedom of yes. speech, and they were going Whereas to jail for it. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, Letty Bruce, which, Lenny which Bruce. Ben and I talked a lot about. But uh, um, yeah, exactly, yeah. Oh, nice. But um, uh, but but nowadays, it's it's like, what are we raging against now? Like, what's worse? And I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that that you know. Um, the West or, 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 or the U.S. is is without flaw or that, that there's no oppression or that there's no corruption. Like, yeah, there's plenty of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's it's easier and freer living today than it was 50 years ago. There was a lot more to complain about 50 years ago. There's a lot more right. to push back against. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, so, so now whenever I see a celebrity lecturing white people on their privilege, um, especially when, when they're millionaire celebrities lecturing normal people yeah, on their like, privilege, mm-hmm. it's just kind of like, oh, come on. Like, wh- I, I thought you were cool. I thought you were rebellious. Uh, and, and you're telling me uh, that I have it better than other people, even though I'm struggling to pay rent. I don't know what, what, you're, what, what you're doing here. Was that, was that Seth Rogen reference? <laughs> Pretty much. But, I mean, you know, there, there are a lot of celebrities like that, though. Oh. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, man. It's interesting how... How if you interact with working class people, mm. how little of this stuff seeps down, though? Mm. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Like yeah. if you talk to mechanics, they don't even know about any of the stuff we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. And like and so yeah. their their view of these political fights is very different or yes. like um, 
some of the some of the the families I teach with, very working class families uh, in like South LA and stuff, they they have no thoughts about this and like their thoughts on the vaccine are just like fuck that, not happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't even and say it, yeah. and it goes as far as that, and they're just like eh, out. I'm going to work, not yeah. thinking. I think about it's it. I think it's not uh, definitely like working class, but also just like people who aren't like there's a lot of people who don't really give a shit because they have other things to worry about. Yes. And the, it is this largely hyper on like hyper online people yeah. usually the, I think both conservatives and liberals and yes. everything in between and outside of that um, has their presence, but like the vast majority of people aren't on Twitter and they're not on Reddit or whatever Tumblr or whatever like uh, forums have these ridiculous rules and norms that are trying to be set up so that when then a politician who thinks that their base is on Twitter um, goes, I think a perfect example of this was the Virginia governor um, mm. who lost, what was his name? Terry McAuliffe, mm. who was like, not, we're not going to have parents pick what their children learn and people are like, wait a minute, what? Like, no, no. we're paying for the public schools and we're not going to say in what you teach our children. And, like, to him, that was probably a very uh, a very poignant uh, and intelligent point to, like, make on Twitter. That would get lots of likes and retweets. But when you say that to, like, middle-class yep. families, even mm-hmm. upper-middle-class families who maybe both parents are working are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, like, what do you, and I think you see that more and more, um, where people think that like Twitter retweets are going to get you votes because a lot of the time it's like, yep. that's not, that's not even close to, uh, how it works because uh-huh. most people have other shit to worry about than like yep. learning new pronouns or, or what like the proper term for this group of people is or what the yeah. new, who is it? Uh, even Matt Iglesias, who's like a left-wing guy. He, I, I retweeted recently. He's like new acronym just dropped. And it was like middle East Arab American, like some, you know, new thing, <laughs> some AAPI, yeah. which that drives those people fucking crazy. A lot of yeah. them, or most of them they're like, what do, what do I as an Depends. Indian person and a Korean and a Filipino like have in common? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. This is the most populated part of the that entire acronym world. now. Yeah, that acronym. Exactly. That's what we have in common. It's like, no, all you guys, you're all being impressed. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, my right. parents came here with nothing. They don't speak English. I worked my ass off and gone to Harvard. Like, no, no, we need to reduce you to a... Yeah, it's crazy. We were talking about a little label. Yesterday. Maybe because we're racist. It, it's, it's wild. <laughs> I mean, Asians, Asians just get it from fucking both ends, you know? They're not yeah. white, so they don't get Fucked, those benefits. Man. But that, So they don't get the benefits of being white, but they don't get the benefits of, I guess, <laughs> being a minority, even though they totally are. Like, no. they, just, uh, uh, they just really get it. I, I feel bad. It sucks. Yep. It's unfair. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Yep. I don't know. Um, ben, uh, or Anthony, but Ben, you too. Um, yeah. uh, Anthony, I, I have a question for you, uh, not related to politics at all. Do you have a definition of music 
Oh, like no. not a, dic- a dictionary definition, but I, I'm, I'm curious. Did we you, do this you know? on on Reckless Muse also? No, I think I asked you guys what the meaning of life oh, was. Oh no! <laughs> that's what, that's what I, <laughs> whose podcast is this? <laughs> um, I'm curious. Do you guys no, have a definition of music? Definition? Well, yeah. So my my little bit shitty response is that's a bad question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> terrible question. I don't care. <laughs> and. Um, uh i think music is i i I don't know i don't have a good response it's what you believe it is so i think music can be almost literally anything as long as you believe as long as you're hearing it as music uh because i think music is a narrative yes so sounds are real yes and then the narrative is in our mind we go oh that's a tune yeah so we start we organize them in our mind the same right. way that a painting isn't really an apple. It's just yes. lines on a paper. And then we go, right. oh, that's an apple. Exactly, yes. So uh. some people can't, I mean, there's that the Oliver Sacks, uh, I think it's called Musicophilia, where he mm-hmm. talks about weird music disorders. And there's some people who cannot hear music. Yes. So they, they literally just hear sounds. So if you're playing a melody mm-hmm. on a guitar, they just hear a, like plink, 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 and they don't organize them in their Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Ben? Do you have uh, a definition of music? definition of music yeah well i guess well it's going to be extremely broad but like even because obviously it's like not just things with instruments because you could mm-hmm. just have like acapella singing right that's yeah. it's music and yeah. uh hitting a rock together hitting rocks together whatever but like even i was because when you asked anthony i was like thinking what my answer would be and it's like well not like prose Mm -hmm. but maybe not even poetry but like for instance shakespeare writing in like iambic pentameter has like a musical quality to it Mm -hmm. you tap your foot to it when when you read and there's rhythm so i mean if you're really boiling it down that much like yeah most written or uh yeah because like music you you can write music some people can like write music yeah so i i don't know that is a difficult question but yeah I mean, at its most basic, anything that has, yeah, what, like rhythm, pitch, melody, anything like that, right? Yeah. So I guess... Uh, sound. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a definition. And it's not even my definition. This is the, this is the definition I got from. Did you just want to tell us this and you made us <laughs> sort of? Well, I, I, I because you should tell it with the guitar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, the, the, the reason I, I brought it up because because uh, it actually ties into another topic that that I, I, I actually kind of want to chat a bit about. Oh, but, cool. um, um, uh, the definition that I use, and again, this is this is one that my instructor gave me. Is it actually one? It it, it kind of ties. It basically sums up what you said, uh, Anthony. Um, which is sound organized in time, uh-huh. um, which I think is, is is actually a very good definition. I think it's it's broad, but 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 I like the fact that you use the term organized because it it, it implies that it's intentional. That it's like uh-huh. you know it can be any sound. It can just be you banging on a desk or pots mm-hmm. and pans or you humming or whatever. As long as you do it with intention. If you're just kind of goofing around, or whatever, it's like you're just making. It's just cacophony. It's just sound. Right. It's just noises. But if it's like no, I, um, you know, there's there's. Um, you know, there's a, a very specific and defined, you know, beginning and end, and this is what's going to occupy that that sonic space. Right. Um, and and the reason why, why I, I kind of brought this up is this is a debate from a while back. But Ben Shapiro was was talking about uh, how rap he doesn't talk he doesn't consider rap to be music. That's ridiculous. Um, 
and I and I can't remember exactly. I, I, it's because uh, it doesn't have melody. It because right. music needs rhythm, pitch, blah, 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 some yeah. like, list that he has. Yeah, yeah. I would say just some the, list somebody made up. Exactly. The, yeah. the, the, the oh. bebop artists of the '40s would have uh, a lot of problems with with yeah. that definition. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's 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 very wrong about that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen his, his breakdown of uh, wet ass pussy? It was very funny. Oh, that sounds like a, that, that sounds like medical attention. <laughs> <laughs> but um, do, do you guys think that there should be a, a sort of a, a standard definition of music or even just art for that matter of like, this is art, this is not art? No. No. Uh, standard definition of art. Um, no, I guess not. Because uh, we don't want to start. Because when something doesn't, I don't know. Fuck, Joe. What, what's with these questions? <laughs> what do you think, Joe, for this? Because I start uh, thinking, like I start thinking extreme stuff. So, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll bring up like I remember in my First Amendment class I took in law school. There was a very controversial case where an artist. It's called, it's literally called Piss Christ, where he took yeah. a crucifix oh, yeah, yeah. and, yeah, okay, you know, yeah, he dropped yeah, it. Yeah, it's from the late 80s or something. Yeah. Yeah, around that, maybe 80s. 90s. Okay. Uh, dropped it in like a tank of his own urine or something. Okay. And okay. Um, obviously people were very offended, understandably, but, um, you know, so is that art? Well, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. It's not pleasant yeah. to probably most people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess it's still art. But I guess you could push the limits of that. No. I, I don't know. I actually had an idea for a story, but I don't want to give it away before I write it. <laughs> uh, I won't. I won't do that. I, right. I, I do want to write about like kind of pushing the limits of what what art is. Okay. Um, I don't know. What was the question again? Should there be a definition of art? Yeah. Well, yeah. By, Should there be by kind of like authority is what I'm wondering. So I guess for me, what I'm kind of getting at, and one of the things that kind of brought on this this discussion was earlier this year, somebody sold, I think it was in Italy, somebody sold uh, an invisible statue, oh, yeah. a sculpture, for like $18,000 or something like that. So it's just it. a money laundering scheme. I know, exactly. <laughs> That's all and, it is. <laughs> and so like in the art world, when you sell like a painting or a sculpture or something, it, it, it specifically like we're um, usually for something that that's, that's more fragile, it would usually sure. come with instructions where it's like, okay, make sure that it doesn't, it's not, if you put this in your house, don't make sure it's not too close to the sun mm-hmm. uh, because or else it'll fade, you know, make sure it has this type of lighting because that's what it's intended. Um, this didn't have those instructions. It was just sort of like, yeah, just put it here, <laughs> anywhere really. Um and then I, I think that was one of the things that really got me seeing is like, okay, come on, like we have to have some kind of basic. And I, I'm fine with operating with a very broad definition of art, uh-huh. but I think that for me, if I were to operate with some kind of definition of art, um, it should it should it should have at least a couple of basic things. One, it should be done with intention. Yeah. And two, art is a discipline. Therefore, it requires discipline. Mm. <laughs> it, it, there's no discipline involved with. Um, Creating an invisible sculpture and then selling it for eighteen thousand dollars like that doesn't re- you don't you don't need to practice for that. Um, what about other than fun? that? I'm, even that, I mean, like you still need to learn how to play. I, I was actually like, thinking three that. power chords. What three about power Pussy chords. Riot? They know they know something, right? Some of them. What does their music sound like? Yeah, is it bad? whatever. 
I remember bad. when I was, I, I was yeah, I was in, I remember the, that was a big thing when I was in London, there was yeah. uh, this semester and there was all these like free pussy riot shirts. Yeah. yeah. I almost bought one too expensive. I was like, oh. this, this, this too expensive. Oh, they're, ca- they're cashing in, huh? That's great. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think pussy riot was cashing. In. I think the, the store was, Yeah, I think they're, I'm sure like very little of that, none of it is going to pussy riot oh, in, the yeah. gula- yeah. in the gulags. <laughs> Siberia. <laughs> Are they out? Oh, I hope they're it's okay. It's like a collective. It's decentralized too. Mm. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It's like a movement. Oh, that was a band. It is also. Oh. oh. Yeah. But uh, we don't hear from him anymore. But the the no. discipline thing is interesting. It it it, it brings up a, a a conversation I was listening to. There was a podcast I was listening to, and it was driving me insane about somebody talking about how labor has intrinsic value. Mm. And um, I think that that's, like, a really dumb idea. Um, Labor has intrinsic value? What do you mean? Uh, so, like, mean? if you worked hard for something, yeah, you should, you should get more money because of how hard you worked. Yeah. And I would say that it has more to do with the outcome. So, like, if yeah. I have to practice for three days for a gig and yeah. Joe only has to practice for a day for the same yeah. outcome, we're going to get right. paid the same. I can't be like, well, oh. I had to practice three days longer right. than Joe. Yeah. Nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to care. suck at if I suck at making a chair, yeah. someone else can takes me a while. <laughs> right. Someone else can make it much faster and Should better. Should you get paid more? That makes no sense at all. No, okay. Also, right. if labor had intrinsic value, sense. we could all go outside and dig holes and become rich. Yeah. Just from That's the true, labor. yeah. Right, right. Just simply through the act of it. Yeah. Labor no. influences price because price right. and value are different, but right. if you have to take a long time, you're going to have to charge more. Right. But yeah, so so I think. So that, what's guarding, the value of discipline? Is kind of my question here. Right. No. F- fair point. Um, I think you know uh, you know getting back to punk, you know, because like you know a, a big part of the punk aesthetic was was like we're not we don't come from any formal background, right. formal musical background. We're just dudes jamming in a, in a garage. Yeah. That still produces something more than an invisible sculpture. There's still an outcome that you can measure. And, and also, uh-huh. you know, w- 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 it, it, take the shittiest garage punk band on the planet yeah. and, they, and, and they, they, they cut an album. It still has a defined beginning and end. They're still saying, OK, this is the beginning of the song and here's the end of the song. But when right. you have an invisible sculpture, it's like, well, then. 433, right? John Cage. Exactly. I was actually going to bring that up. Um, uh, the, 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 the John Cage piece. Oh, by the way, have you heard the, the, orchest- uh, the, the orchestrated version of that? It's gorgeous. Powerful. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> Yeah. Should, should, should we, should we uh, uh, tell tell the audience what that is? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, here, here's what I like. I, I was listening to Eric Weinstein on uh, Lex Friedman, and he was yeah. saying, "Don't explain things on podcasts." And I kind of oh. agree. Make the audience okay. come right. to you if they're interested. They will. Oh, okay. All right. I like yeah, it. I, I like that. it as an idea. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Make them do the work. Yeah. <laughs> We're not. We're just gonna. I'm just gonna no. say stuff. You figure it out, right? <laughs> but actually, question though, Ben, do you know yeah. that this piece? No, I'm not. Okay, about. okay. So I think we should. No. <laughs> All right, Damn Ben, it. look it up. Real I have no idea what you're talking about at all. You ruined our mystique. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so there was a composer, John Cage, uh, who wrote a piece called Four Minutes and Thirty Three Seconds," where it was all rests. The whole thing is written as rests. Okay. Rests meaning nobody plays. Right. I, so, it's a solo okay. piano piece where you sit and you don't play anything for four minutes and 33 seconds. And and now, there are movements. So the first movement is like a minute and 50 seconds, and the second movement is like two minutes. 
So there's a break where people can cough and he can turn the page. Yeah, yeah sounds, sounds like a huge douchebag. Well, <laughs> yeah. here's the thing. When you look at the evolution of his music, it's pretty interesting because yep. his, his early stuff from like the 30s and 40s was very pretty, very yep. tonal stuff. Yep, yep. yep. Um, then it got weirder and weirder. Mm-hmm. And there was one work where um, I, I saw a documentary of him in college, and it was in, in like the whole musical work was him and other musicians. Um, and they were carrying around radios, and each radio was playing yes. like a different station or yep. a different static yep. piece. Mm-hmm. And they're just walking around and interacting with the audience. And that was the musical work. Yep. Um, even that, even like so many of us hated that, and I still, I, I kind of do. But even I was still kind of like, yeah, but he still kind of has like a definitive beginning and end. Like it still it does. It's well, still that's why sound. I was asking because it yeah, does have still, a beginning and end. Wait, still, so, that's, still, so that still counts as music? It's sound organized in time. Well, with radios, it might be other people's music. Yes. Exactly, yeah. But that's transformative, though. So that's I think that still kind of qualifies as some sort of art. So you could be when, making music not music by doing it. All, right. all, all I could think about, Joe, you were talking about, like, what makes music and organization is fucking... Like, remember that clip of Yoko Ono just, like, screaming into yeah. the microphone yeah. during yeah. that? Just like... <laughs> Oh, is that the one where she's playing with Chuck Berry? No, this is at a museum. I think it was at a museum. Oh, nice. No, I thought it was on a like a late night show, like a talk show. They're like the music. That's her art. Yeah, that's her art. She screams. Is that music? So that's music. Yoko Ono screaming on microphone. She's acting a fucking attention. It was with Chuck Berry, I think. Most positive. He has this look on his face, like what the. And John Lennon's just like so mad. Yeah, so fucking pissed off. The one I saw was her at a gallery, surrounded by people. Like they were there to see Yoga Ono scream. Um, <laughs> so. Oh, did you hear? We're gonna hear her scream. I hope she does the high scream. That's my favorite. <laughs> when she, one thing I, I, I can't, more scream. I can't one. stand Yoko Ono. I think she sucks, and yeah. she broke up the Beatles. I don't care what people say. She did, uh, and I don't really like it anyway. Yeah, I, I don't really like the Beatles that much. I think they're. I like some of their stuff. I respect the hell out of them, but I don't yeah. really get it. Anyway, um, she did have a really cool. Uh, a really cool exhibition, I guess you would call it, mm. uh, where she like sat there and you could walk up to her and like cut some of her clothing off. It was very, it was very oh. like avant garde, but you like walk up and like. That's intense. Yeah. And you could like cut and like eventually, you know, she'd be naked, but it was interesting. Now I'm like, all right, that's kind of cool. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, no, she's not, not the best singer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's music. Uh, you don't think it's <laughs> not, music. not getting enough attention from your husband is not music. Mm. Uh, that's where I draw the line. <laughs> um, I had a, um, a, an improvisation professor in, in grad school who the first lesson asked me what harmony was. Oh. What'd you say? Uh, I think I said two, two sounds that are related in your mind. Okay. And he, he, he was saying, yeah, essentially... Like um, somebody cracking their knuckle in New York and somebody ringing a bell in Tokyo. If you think of those as being somehow related in a simultaneous way, then that's harmony. I'm not opposed to that, but um, like, would again, like, would there be some sort of intention behind it? Where it's like, if you splice those two sounds together and put them simultaneously, I think, like, I think, I think it's more like in your own mind kind of a thing. Okay, All so. Right. So I guess yeah. I guess the big distinction between your definition and my definition yeah. is that I'm placing music in the listener's head 
mm. and you're placing music a little bit more in the creator's head. Yes, I guess, I suppose so, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Huh. I like that. And it's funny because as you were saying that, a train passed by my, my, my house. And you were like, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I can feel that definition. And then when the train passed, I was like, ah, oh, forget it. But uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> this harmony went to just turn to acapella, and it's like, ah, it's just Yoko Ono screaming now. But uh, <laughs> that's I interesting. That I like that. <laughs> but it kind of it kind of gets to a thing that I talk about about music being magic. Yeah. And actually, music being existing in a shared space between uh, practitioners and listeners. Mm. So if you're playing in a band and you're you're playing a guitar. And yeah. there's an audience there who's listening to you. The music is kind of the the shared experience, rather than right. one person or the other. Maybe. Right. Right. I don't know. So, so you have a, you you uh, have a degree in music, like you you have like an extra educational background in it. Mm-hmm. What are some interesting musical lessons that you learned? Your, your but not like it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Dude, this isn't our show. This is his show. Yeah. <laughs> well. I, 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 What's I, next I'm for Reckless Muse? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Anthony, thanks for coming on the show. And, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so, 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 uh, uh, what are some interesting musical lessons that you learned? But, but, but not, not like super technical things. Not like, oh, like what, what's, what's the coolest progression that you learned? I mean, like more like, even more like creative lessons. Where it's like, okay, like I'm going to carry this. I'm going to apply this to other things, not just. You know, uh, counterpoint in harmony, like like more like sort of like broad ways of looking at at, at uh, creating. Yeah, um, I mean, there's a couple of big questions. One, I I brought up us maybe discussing this, and actually, I don't know if Ben has has uh, a few minutes to sit and discuss anything more. If you if you have to run, but um, yeah, a few more minutes. Yeah, so there's let's do it. There, there's talk. there's a big issue in in classical music school about what to do about Wagner. Yeah. Right, because there's the issue of separating the art from the artist. Right, and right. that isn't really a lesson I learned. That's something that people argue on and off. Wait, what did he? Why is he controversial? He did not. Anti-Semitic. The, Na- the Nazis liked him a lot. Yeah. Was he, yeah. he was anti-Semitic? Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. He, he himself as a person was anti-Semitic. Oh, yeah, like Parsifal cool, is about man. the evil Jews and stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. That's great. And then the other, the other interesting one is should an artist consider their audience? Like what? What is the proper relationship between an artist and an audience? Mm. So, mm. like, should Metallica cut their hair freely, or are they beholden to all their long-haired metal fans, right, for keeping their hair? Or, or I mean, that's like a silly version of it. Well, is, but, isn't it like a balance between authenticity and being a sellout? Like, isn't yeah, that for just sure. what? Like, you want to strike a balance, like, you know, do you want to be a starving artist or do you want to make money? And if you go too far to, if you're too authentic, you know, you're just going to die because you can't afford anything, right. medical right. care, food. But you're fucking authentic. But you're authentic. And that's great. And some of the, you know, people forget Picasso had to burn some of his paintings right. to keep warm in the winter. Like, it's, no. it's horrible. Um, or if you're too much of a sellout, I mean... Yeah, maybe you'll make. I mean, there are people who try and sell out and they still suck and they don't make money. But, well, the, I think the art will suffer. I think a lot of it is garbage. But you'll be could be famous and yeah. make a lot of money. So, I think striking a balance. Like I, I'm not a musician, but I'm a writer. I don't mm-hmm. make 
I don't make a living off my writing. Um, I, right. I sell books, but I couldn't get by on it. So I have to work like then that's I think the vast majority of yeah. artists is they have to have a day job and then yep. you pursue your passion. Hopefully one day, even still, I mean, if I made enough money, my benefits with my job and everything else and the stability of it, I would still take that. Right. But, um, you know, but that it also allows me to be more authentic. I can write what I want to write. Mm -hmm. I, I don't have to even go through a publisher because, uh, you know, then I have to change a lot of my work. So um, really, my books are extremely authentic. Mm -hmm. It's going to turn off some people, I think. Right. Um, it's not for I'm not writing paperbacks for wine moms to drink on the beach. And that's fine. I'm OK with that. I. I, I, if my books do get popular, which I would love, if they do, it because people actually love the the plots and stories and the characters, not because I, I pander to mm -hmm. you know a, a YA audience or a certain audience. Right, right. Um, I freely admit that I am a big hypocrite when it comes to this. Um, because I go back and forth on this a lot whenever I'm working on yep. either a piece of music or, or screenwriting or anything. Mm -hmm. um, there's this really ridiculous, crazy, reckless part of me that's like, fuck the audience. Just go nuts. This is you, man. This is all you. Yep. And then there's the, there's the other part of me that's going, the audience is not going to buy this. No one will buy it. Mm -hmm. You're not like this isn't going to work. And, well, then um, it definitely won't work. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But 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 I think that. one of the things that I've been trying to keep in mind a couple of things. One is kind of maintain the balance of like, okay, how can I express my ideas that are purely me, but do it in a way that's accessible to mainstream audiences? Yes. If I'm, if I'm going to tell a story um, and, I, and, and I want it to be original and I want it to be groundbreaking, um, but I need to make sure that the audience has enough material to work with to be, to be like, okay, I'm going to go with you on this journey. You've given me enough recognizable, accessible bits for me to, 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 to latch onto this and, and, and carry through to, to the end. Um, because I think if, if, if everything I did was just purely me, there's no regard for the audience whatsoever. Almost everything I would put out would be incoherent and ridiculous. And maybe there'd be a cool idea, but it would be hampered by putting right, right. other ideas. Um, and I think another thing too is to consider the evolution of the artist. So, for you know, for example, we were talking about John Cage. Yep. How his early music was very accessible and very tonal, um, but as he progressed through the decades, it got weirder and, and more bizarre. And so, when we when we told Ben, you know, like the, the ridiculous radio piece where everyone's walking around with radios, and and you know, it was, it was like, yeah, this guy sounds like a douche. Um, but it's like, yeah. If I was just given that, if I was like, oh, here's here's the, here's the composer, and all of and his music is just people walking around with with stereos, I'm like, yeah, this guy's a piece of shit. But if I see <laughs> mm -hmm. if I see that within the context of his the evolution of his career, I'd be more willing to accept that and be like, okay, right. he played by the rules, and now he's spent decades breaking them. I'm more mm -hmm. willing to to buy this work now. Sure, sure. Um, so, so I, I, and and that's probably a closer estimation of of you know what John Cage was really all about. And I'm not even like a John Cage fan, uh, but I, I do find him fascinating, and he does have some very interesting ideas on music. And he, he's got this great quote: "It's like you know, some people are afraid of of old of new ideas. I'm afraid of old ideas." Right. Um. So I like the fact that that even when he's breaking rules and being ridiculous and weird and absurd, he's doing it with intention. Yep. Um, right, well, there's so, your discipline again, because you, yes, his yeah. practice evolved. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's that's great. So, mm. 
Should we should we let Ben go and jam a little bit, maybe? Yeah, sure. Unless Ben, you're welcome to jam with us, but I know yeah. that I, I would I'd love nothing more than to jam. <laughs> However, <laughs> I, I have nothing on which to jam. Catch uh, um, your Yoko voice. You got your, uh, <laughs> your Yoko. Yes, yes, I, yes. my my screamo band, I just summon my three inches of blood. <laughs> That's a deep cut. I don't know how many people are going to know that yeah. band, but also I not trying like to that. kick you out at all. I just no. I'm trying to no, be no. I think you guys. Your time. I think you guys. I'll, I'll, I'll kick him out. I'll, I'll do. I'll do. I'll do the difficult. <laughs> ben, get out of here. <laughs> all right. Thanks for having me, Anthony. Appreciate yeah, yeah, it, Joe. Of I'll see you soon. Angelus. All right. Thanks for coming by, Ben. Yeah. Fellas, Later, buddy. Godspeed. <laughs> cool. All right. Yeah. Cool. Now that we don't have Ben, now we can really start talking about music theory and counterpoint and harmony and oh, yeah, orchestration. Yeah, no. yeah. We, well, it can. <laughs> Fuck, I actually did have something related, kind of nerdy that I wanted to bring up with you, but I can't remember what it was. Mm. I think it was related to theory or harmony or something. Oh, I remember what it was. Um, not super related to like harmony or or or, or music theory type stuff. But uh, I was asking you, uh, like, if there were any, uh, like, particular music, um, like, lessons that you learned from, like... Yes, you... yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I want to get back to that real quick. Were there, was there anything that kind of, like, where it kind of stopped being academic and started being like, okay, this is, this is going to inform how I create? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of my lessons in school informed how I created in a very academic way. So I think um, I developed a very radical idea of harmony in undergrad <clears throat> that um, I don't bring into to sap and claw too much, partially right. because of this this audience problem. Right, right. Um, I do a little bit. I feel like most of my tunes are not really in a key. They're kind of <clears throat> and diatonic. Okay, and interesting. This is something that uh, I've I worked a lot with with Nate on. Because I think he he's much more used to the more traditional harmony and chord progressions and playing over changes. Right, like, right. No, no, no. We're in like C everything right now. So oh, okay. C minor works. C major. Like we can, as long as we're revolving around C, we're good. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So I like developing that kind of sound world. Uh, so I guess the lesson was um, my composition professor in undergrad who um, recently died, which is very mm. sad to me. Oh. He was a, an important mentor. But he gave this lesson where he said, I like to think of myself as a pitch. And so I look up and I look down. And so if I'm the third of a major chord, if I look up, there's less distance than if I look down mm-hmm. by a little bit. Yeah. And then he was teaching us about the power of the diatonic scale, a major or a minor scale. Yeah. Because if you're a pitch, your landscape looking up versus looking down is different at every single position. Interesting. And that's why ear training with a major scale is so easy. Right. It's very easy to hear what note you're on in a major scale versus like a whole tone scale or an octatonic scale where it's symmetrical. So Mm -hmm. it's the same going up as going down. So you get lost immediately. Right, right. Because there's no frame of reference. And then right. you can take that to you can build. So what I started to do is building diatonic series using mm-hmm. non-traditional scale collections of notes. Yeah. So I'd use like an 11-tone scale, but I'd use it diatonically, thinking of that looking up and down as a pitch. So I oh, interesting. Thinking yeah. of myself as a pitch. <laughs> yeah. Huh. That's very interesting. I like that. What about you? 
Um, a couple of things leap out at me. Um, one, for some reason, I started taking violin lessons when I was in college. Great. Um, yeah, which is uh, violin is one of my, my my favorite instruments, and and unfortunately, it takes years of sounding uh, like uh, a dying cat before you can produce you know a, a, a pleasing tone. Um, it's not something that you just kind of you know it's not guitar or piano where you just kind of okay cool I can here's a chord okay Button cool pushing yeah 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 exactly yeah. Um, and and I, I was uh, being taught by a grumpy instructor, um, and and I, I I was I was sold on taking this of starting with this instructor because oh he's great with kids so okay yeah he'll be he'll 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 be gentle with me, um, that's not how it really worked. Mm. Uh, so so the thing about, about violin is um, when you're first playing when, when when you're first you know putting the bow to the string. Yeah. Um, you sound like shit because you, you haven't you haven't developed like the, the, the fine motor skills right, of, right. of like you know, pressure and speed and all these things. Um, and 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 he kept telling me, he's like, you know, play loud, play loud. If, if I can hear what you're playing, I can diagnose, yes. you know, yeah, yeah. What, what you what you what, what the problem is, you know, whether it's it's pressure on the bow or the speed or the angle or whatever. And he goes and and he goes, this is why I hate teaching adults and why I like teaching kids because kids are shameless. If I tell a yes. kid play loud don't play loud because they don't they, they have no frame of reference of what a yep. good violin sounds like violin adults have have an understanding of what yep exactly so so when so when they start playing a note and it sounds terrible they play quietly and it makes mm-hmm. it hard for me to tell them how to do it and it goes just play loudly don't worry about impressing me like all uh, you know it, it's gonna it, it goes it takes years for somebody to learn how to play twinkle twinkle little star um and and do it with a very clean tone yeah so it's like yeah it's like don't worry about producing a clean tone right off the bat um, so that's informed my my approach to music as yes. well as just general creativity. Is just go for broke, um, find what your limits are because um, because if, 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 if your first instinct and I, and I think this is something that, that a lot of creative people have, if your first instinct is to push is to pump the brakes, um, that's that will always be your limit. It's like okay, I'm never going to go past this point. It's like, no, right. but probably your limit is probably much farther. Yep. Find it, and then you can see that okay, here's here's what I'm good at. Here's what I'm bad at, and the things I'm bad at, I can work on that. That's where I should right. direct my practice towards. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's informed a lot of my creative thinking. The other thing is when I was taking composition lessons in college, um, I was working on a piece. I think I can. Um, I think it was a duet for guitar and vocals and it was a poem from uh hp lovecraft because because oh, i'm cool. really into, yeah i'm really into horror so i wanted so and, and so I, I was never really into vocal pieces but i was like okay if, if i'm gonna turn something into um a vocal piece i at least want it to be a poem from hp lovecraft i want it to be something spooky um and so i was setting uh uh, uh this poem to 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 music for, for classical guitar and i was really struggling with it um, and so each week, you know, uh, uh, I, I'd write a few measures of music and she'd give me some feedback on it, whatever. And, and for a while, I started having a lot of trouble with it. And then my instructor says, you know, just give me ideas. I don't care if they're bad ideas, but just give me a bunch of ideas. Um, because even if most of them are bad, maybe there's one or two that are good that have a lot of potential to be, to be developed. Um, but, you know, if, if you're only giving me a few ideas each week, like this is going to take a long time and I can't properly gauge what your skills are and what your weaknesses are. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that's informed my my creative thinking of like, just like stop being critical, just create. Yep. Um, you know, even if only one of those ideas is good, it's still better than coming up with a handful of yep. maybe yes. accessible ideas, but maybe very, maybe they're very bland and generic ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I, I, I think this is really important. And it, mm-hmm. it, it gets at something I think about a lot too. And I tell my students is you have to let yourself be bad right. and not fight that too much. Yes. Like you're you're going to like when they're learning bar chords or something, learning an F. Yeah. I want you just to play songs with Fs in them and right. it's not going to sound perfect. And I want you to play every single song you can find with an F in it and let it yeah. sound like shit for yeah. six months. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you need to work out your hand. Your hand needs to get stronger. And if exactly. every time you like hide, you're like, oh, no, no, no I don't like songs with F. You're yeah. never going to get there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You got to do it. And, and you also need momentum. So like what you're talking about with with composing, you yeah. need to be moving to pick a direction or change direction. Right. If you're if you're stationary, you 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 haven't even started the process. So yes. it's, like, it's similar with with writing an essay. I yes. Every now and then write essays, and uh, yeah. like I have to come write for the American Reckless Views. <laughs> yeah, I would love to. But uh, if yeah, yeah. if you um, what I find is I usually actually write a full essay and throw it away and write a second essay. Yeah. And that's that is the essay. Right. Because I need to be in motion and having my ideas moving, mm. at least for a while. Because I'm not yes. practiced enough at writing yet. Uh, yeah. So every time I do it, I have to like get the gears moving again. Right. And then, right. And, then it, and then it becomes fluent. But you need to yes. be moving. Yes. It's like yes. You need to be going fast enough to fly a plane. It's the same thing. Yes, exactly. And I think I think also you know, when it comes to composing. Um, when it comes when when you're coming up with a lot of musical ideas, even if most of them are bad, right. one thing that it does encourage you to practice is taste. Because yeah. say like you're, you're you're trying to come up with a melody for a progression or whatever, um, and you come up with twenty potential melodies and eighteen of them are bad. Yeah. But y- you still have to put in the work to be like, that's bad. I don't like that. That sounds like shit. Wait, that's actually kind of cool. Yeah, that's you making a creative decision, which yeah. is something that that's what that's what art is about. It's about it's about a series of decisions yeah. that add up to uh, uh, some kind of whole, um, uh, <laughs> some kind of uh, larger thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, no. yeah. but you know, and, and, and you know, getting back to what my what my, uh, what my uh, composition instructor was getting at, which is like. Um, she, she, she gave me something interesting where, where it was sort of like thinking of, of decisions as gestures. And I always like, like, like that term in, in terms of music. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a musical gesture. It's a creative gesture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, when, you, when you have a melody and maybe it, it, you know, it's kind of staying in this part of the octave, but then it shoots up. It's, you know, that's a creative gesture. Or maybe it shoots down. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe it's it's more fluid uh, shape or, or maybe it's more angular or something like that. But you know, thinking in, in terms of that. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, you know, and it's interesting as, 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 as a creative person, um, you know, when you have, when, when you're working in, in other things, like, even though, even though I learned those lessons when I was studying music, they've also informed, um, you know, uh, my interest in, in film and, yeah. and screenwriting and storytelling as well. Um, so, so I, 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 I think it kind of gets, you know, there's this great book that I'm reading. It's, I've actually read it multiple times, but it's called Zen Guitar by Philip Toshio Sudo. Oh. Um, it's such a great book. I'm not even like a big, you know, like really into Buddhism or anything like that, uh-huh. but it's not too, it's not too into the, like the, 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 the Kumbaya stuff. It's, it's right. really more about mentality of just sort of like, just play a note, play a single note and just play as well as you can, um, mm. sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, uh, uh I forgot why I brought that up because there was a lesson in there and I can't remember what the lesson was, but anyway, um, 
Yeah, just, it's just this idea of like just create. Yes. You'll you'll get better, but you have yes, to. You will. You will. You you yeah exactly. You know like the the I, I had I used to have the sign hanging up in, in my room for the longest time. It's, it said the first step is to suck. Like yep. yes, it is. It is. <laughs> and you might suck for a long time. Exactly. It might be the first. It might be the next twenty steps. But yep. uh, but but you know, it's just like just get over the fact. And, and the other thing too is that like no one's gonna listen to. Or or, or or read or, or 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 look at your 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 fumbles if if you don't let them. It's like okay, like I wrote a shitty piece of music, but don't worry, no one else has to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I, I, I have this thing of like, I, I think one of the hardest parts of art, one of the hardest things is to make it look easy. Um, to yep. make it look like oh, okay, that note was supposed to be there, that melody was supposed to be there. It's like I went through a hundred different iterations in order to come up with that right one. Yep. No, it's true. No. Uh, uh, yeah. So do you want to play something? Yeah, yeah, let's do it, man. Let me yeah. uh, grab my banjo. All right, cool. All right. How about um, something? <laughs> okay, we'll do something and see. Yeah. Okay, all right. All right, real quick, just to make sure, can you hear me okay? Yeah. Too loud, too quiet? You can, you can turn up a little bit even if you want.
right. <laughs> nice. That was cool, man. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, it reminds me, did you ever learn that piece of music? I, it, I think it was just called In C. Yes. Yep, yep, Who's yep. Who's that by again? Terry Riley. Yes, you're right. Did you did you get did you ever play that? Yeah, I've played it a couple times. It's great. Um, yeah, I guess that was kind of like a version of NC in a sense. Yeah, 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 yeah you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of that. I remember um a friend of mine actually got in trouble when we were playing that. The the the, 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 the whole the whole class um every, it was like it would bring your instrument um yep. and whatever it is start and uh, so we had kind of like, like a whole orchestra basically um and then as it went on for like 40 45 minutes or so yeah um and then as it started to wind down you know, it was, and my friend who was at the piano he just goes did it did it did it like he just went right back to the beginning and i guess the professor got mad at him she called him out it's like no you you ruined the whole integrity of that piece and it's sort of like oh come on like that's ridiculous yeah that's it's just like it's absurd. just fun like you know. <laughs> i mean you know like it's like he was playing uh, a Mozart symphony, and then he just kind of, and then at the end of it, he was like dun 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 dun, dun. and it's just like, you know, like I can see how that would ruin it, but it was sort of like, yeah. oh, it's it's kind of an improvisational piece. Yeah, I mean, actually, I don't, I don't even understand why that would ruin it. I mean, the idea of getting to the end and then restarting it and doing the whole thing again seems yeah. very in line with the piece, actually, like doing a three-hour version of the piece. Right, exactly, and and theoretically, you can even you could have a musician uh, performing where it's like the whole for the whole three hours they're, they're not playing anything like they're just playing rests mm -hmm. and, then, and then like their first <laughs> foray into the piece is da -da 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 -da. um but uh uh yeah it was sort of it was like all right it was fun i'm glad we did it but uh we'll probably never play that piece again <laughs> <laughs> do you know uh vexations i don't think so no the the scriabin Okay. Uh, or, no, no, it's not Scriabin. What am I talking? It's Eric Satie, of course. It's Satie. Okay. But uh, uh, he, uh, it's eight measures, but it's supposed to be repeated like four hundred and something times. Huh. So like people get into a practice of playing it for like eight hours straight, kind of a thing. Right. <laughs> so so basically, it, it turns into like a fish concert. Yeah. <laughs> right. But it's this format. It's this really like weird, ambiguous chord progression. Uh huh. But yeah, the, I think the way they did it at, uh, at UW-Madison was they were doing it on piano and they had people swap out every two hours. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild, man. Um, I love early instances of musical innovation mm -hmm. that often don't get you know, uh, much recognition. So for example, one of the earliest examples or this one of the earliest record uh, recorded examples of polytonality was actually for mozart he composed a, uh, a, a it was intended to be a joke it was called a musical joke oh yes 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 yes. i know what you tried the, the string quartet uh yeah yeah and um uh it was intended it, like it was written intentionally badly because he was yeah. making fun of bad composers yeah and the last <laughs> two chords of the final movement Everyone's just playing a different note. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is actually like the first reported uh, yeah. uh, uh, um, instance of polytonality. Yeah. Um, well, he has his chromatic quartet too. That's like uh, Mozart. Yeah. Like. Oh. Very like almost twelve tone. At right. Parts. Yeah. Um, he he was wild. He he yeah. went he went for it. Yeah. Especially in his later years. Yeah, he got pretty experimental. And then he, and then he also had I think um, it was the Kleinigig in G major. Um, even though it's in G major, it's really chromatic, and to me, it has a sort of like hunting rabbits, little like 
Looney Tunes vibes. Oh, it. like those, it's very cool. It's very I mean, those swirly. are crazy chromatic. Those are like, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's that's... so good. And then you also have like Beethoven's, um, what was it like, like, like the, uh, the Grosse Fuga? Um, yes, like, yes, yes. Which is, it's a very ugly, hard piece to listen to. I mean, uh-huh. I, I enjoy, but it is. It's like listening to the German for the first time. It's just yeah, like this right. very brutal, dramatic <laughs> piece. But yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, man, music's fun. Music's great. Yeah. So what's what's uh, what's coming up for Reckless Muse? You got the the podcast. Yeah. You got the yeah. medium the the medium channel. Yeah, the yeah, site. definitely. Which yeah, which which by the way, if if you uh, have any any essays you want to you want to send our way. Uh, we'd love to publish them. Uh, anything related to the arts or creativity. Uh, okay, cool. So, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, nothing too big. We do have some pretty cool guests lined up for the show. Nice. Um, uh, some people who are kind of um, a little above our pay grade. Um, so That's good. Uh, That's how you get it. You just got to yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we, we, we have to have some cool uh, uh, guests lined up. And it is something that we do want to kind of start taking more seriously. Mm-hmm. Um so even though the publication, even though it's not big in, in any means, we did cross the 200 subscriber. Uh, nice. Congratulations. In just a year and a half. Thank you. Um, and we're putting in very little work. So I'm glad it's resonating with the growing <laughs> audience. Um, but I, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's just interesting because, you know, there, there is definitely a hunger for people for to be like, look, um, we don't have to be political. Like, art can just be art. It can yep. be fun and weird and experimental and edgy and offensive, and that's fine. That's what art should I love be about. It. It's not hurting anyone. It's 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 you know, um, but uh, uh, yeah, you know, like I, I I think the fact that that reckless muse is so dynamic, like it, it means that we could experiment, try new things. Yeah. Without it, like you know, uh, straying too much from the brand, because like oh well, there's barely a brand. We try things <laughs> and see what works. So yeah. That's very cool. Well, yeah. I, I really like the idea. And thanks thanks so much for coming on today, Joe. You can find Joe and Ben's podcast on YouTube and Spotify, Reckless Muse Cast. Yep. And you can find uh, their Medium or Joe's Medium site, Reckless Muse, where there's articles and all sorts of fun goodies all over it. And I'll link, of course, I'll link to everything. Yeah. Cool. So thanks, yeah. thanks so much, Joe. Thanks for coming on. And thanks to Ben, even though he had to head out. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for having us on, man. Uh, We had a blast. And uh, yeah, let's do this again sometime. Yeah, thanks. All right, thanks for listening or watching. Please remember to check out Reckless Muse. Check out Joe Garza and Ben D'Alessio. Their podcast is awesome. And they have a lot of really, really cool articles on the Reckless Muse Medium site. Also, remember to like, leave a comment, and subscribe to my channel. And if you would like to consider supporting my content generally, please visit my Patreon page. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.